0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review, and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: same passage of scripture a few weeks back on the subject of the golden rule, but I want to give new emphasis this morning to the same passage of scripture, using a different verse as the text, beginning at verse 27 of Luke chapter 6. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, and do good to them which hate you, and bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, Forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do unto you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, that ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all it shall be measured to you again. I want you to look at two portions of two verses, or a portion of two verses. First of all, in verse 35, we overlook one little phrase. The beginning of it says, Love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again. But here's the phrase I want you to see. And your reward shall be great and then over in the 38th verse he says give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom and here's the note I want you to see for with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again you're know, to get back what you give. Is the, that's the sermon. I guess I can sit down. But that's really it. You know, most of us are in the frame of mind to desire prosperity. We want to be successful and prosperous. The formula for that is right before us. But we don't believe it. That's not the way to become prosperous. You don't have by giving away. You have by taking. Seems to be the attitude that most of us have. But the Lord says the way to get is to give away. To give up. To give to somebody else. And in return, you'll have prosperity. There's the formula for actually becoming prosperous. If you really want to be prosperous, follow to the T this formula, and you will be. There it is. These are red letters in a lot of Bibles, meaning that Jesus spoke the words, We're not taking Paul or Peter or anybody else's word for it. We are hearing it from the Lord's own mouth. Now, it's somewhat interesting, that he does not spend much time, if any, in this passage of scripture dealing with money with regard to prosperity. And that's usually the thing that crosses our mind is that I have become prosperous when I have lots of money. But this doesn't seem at all to be the attitude that he takes. He rather is thinking in terms of performance. If one performs with no expectation of return, that makes him prosperous. If one gives in order to get, it won't work. If one gives without any thought whatever of getting anything in return, it works. And that's difficult for us to, to accept. For we are we are conditioned to thinking about receiving all the time. What's the normal phrase of Christmas? What did you get for Christmas? I never say or hear anybody say, what did you give for Christmas? What did you get? Well, I got a new dress. I got a new tie. I got a new shirt. I got a new shoes. I got a baseball. Uh, I got a football. I got a doll. I got, I got, I got. We rather should be saying to each other, what did you give for Christmas? Oh, I gave a football. I gave a new dress. I gave, I gave, I gave. Is the Christian attitude toward prosperity is what one gives, not what one receives. But we don't think that way. Did anybody lock your house this morning before you left the church? I did. You know why I did? Because I was afraid somebody might break in while I was going to give me something. <laughs> no. I was afraid they might take it from me. You see, we stop our automobiles in the middle of town and we roll up the windows and lock the door because we are afraid that when we come back, somebody may have broken out our window and given us a present. Now, we don't think that way, do we? Go back to your car and you see that the window is broken and you say, oh my somebody broke into my car and stole something. Never, never do you say somebody broke into my car and gave me something. Now, our thoughts are in what somebody takes from us and what we get from someone else, not what someone gives to us. I called one of my the people that I supervise into my office some time back because he was demanding that I owed him eight minutes of time he had worked eight minutes over therefore he wanted to leave eight minutes early and that didn't set too well with me several people asked what time do you go to work My day starts, my pay starts at 8.30, but I'm usually at work somewhere between 7 and 7.30. Why do you do that? My answer is I want to be absolutely sure that I give more than I take. That's been my philosophy of work. I want to be absolutely sure that I have it on my credit, but I don't owe (coughs) that I've given more than I paid for. That's just my philosophy of work. So I called him in, and I said, explain this to me. You are insisting that I give you eight minutes of time you want to leave early because you worked eight minutes over. That's right, you owe it to me. I did that. And I said, I didn't. Complain or say anything to you about the 10 minutes that you were late yesterday morning or the fact that you requested 30 minutes to leave early because you had to take somebody to the doctor. And now you are telling me that I owe you eight minutes of time. I said to this person, there are two types of people in the world There are takers, and there are givers, and I think you are a taker. Oh, was he offended. I beg to differ with you. I'm not a taker. But I said, the evidence proves otherwise. You're demanding that I give, and you're not willing to give me. I think you're a taker. This is not the Christian attitude. A Christian's life is defined in terms of what he gives, not what he gets. What he's willing to provide for somebody else, not what is due him. This thing of saying, you owe me, you owe me, grinds against the grain to me. It's my right seems to be spoken more than it's my responsibility or my privilege. The Christian life is founded upon the principles that our own God gave. We have recorded in John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave His only begotten Son. He gave. If one loves, one gives. You can determine very easily whether or not a person loves you by whether that person is willing to give to you or is insistent upon taking from you. That distinguishes whether there really is true love. Well, look what he says about this giving. He says uh, that we should love our enemies and those that hate us. Therefore, do good to them. He says that we should give to every man that asks of us and not turn him away. Even our enemy should find us in a posture of willingness to give for his benefit. But he's talking more than giving of money. And as I mentioned earlier, probably has little or nothing to say about actual money giving. But he rather is dealing with the giving of oneself. There was a cripple who sat on the steps when Peter and John were about to enter, asking alms. And Peter said to him, Silver and gold have I none; But what I have, that I will give you. Take up your bed and walk. He had something more important to give than money. We too often think that. Giving is centered upon the pocketbook. The pocketbook is incidental to one's willingness to give. Because the real giving is of oneself. And this is oftentimes times a thing that we're not willing to do. It's easy for us to pass the plate and take up collection. It's very difficult to get somebody who wants to do for the other person. I may not have money, but I have myself. That I can give ought to be the attitude of every Christian. And the very center of that attitude is the word love. It's the key to being a Christian, is that a Christian does give out of love. If you love, you will give. Unselfishly. Without thought of return. Without a possible uh, remuneration. If we love, we provide whatever we provide with no thoughts that somebody's going to pay us back. If we give... In order that we might receive, we have not followed the Lord's principle in giving. The Lord gave, not expecting any return. He said that we ought to pray for our enemies. We ought to forgive those who do wrong against us. We ought to show mercy to those who don't deserve any mercy remembering that we received mercy at the hands of God in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross and we didn't deserve it at all. If we did not deserve mercy, do we have any right to only extend mercy to those that we calculate in our mind deserve it? He says to give, but there is one thing he says not to give. He says, do not give judgment. This is a toughie. Verse 37. Judge not. You know, we are very prone to make a lot of assumptions about other people and make up our mind as to what kind of a person they are and whether they deserve anything from us or not, whether we ought to give or not give. And we don't have all the facts. You know, the Lord did not give us the right to judge because we're not in a position to know how to pass judgment. Charles Swindoll, whose name at least I'm sure all of you or most of you will recognize, an author and a speaker on radio programs, wrote a book, called The Grace Awakening. It ought to be required reading for every Christian over 50. Those of us who get set in our ways and are too prone to change and are quite prone to be judgmental. But in that book, he illustrated this very point he said that he was conducting a seminar, he does many of those in a year's time, and to that seminar came a husband and wife, and he said every time as he began to speak, the husband would go to sleep. And he said he didn't know why, but that got to bothering him, but every time the guy went to sleep, and it began to bug him. He said to himself, he said the reason that couple is here is because the wife wanted to be here and she insisted he come along, he doesn't want to be here. He's not interested in the thing I'm saying. He's one of those uh, hypocritical Christians who pretends to be something and he is not. Judgment, right? That was his judgment. He said it really bothered him. Session after session, the man went to sleep bothers me too when people go to sleep I called on the deacon one time I didn't know he was asleep I called on him to close the service and prayer his wife had to wake him up to do it I learned after that make sure the eyes are open before I call on somebody that was really embarrassing before that session was over he said the wife came to see him and asked to have a few minutes with him and she explained something she said We're here because my husband insisted that we be here. He is a very devout Christian, likes your ministry tremendously, but he's dying of cancer, and he is taking a medication that makes him extremely drowsy, and he just can't for the life of himself stay awake when he sits down. You see, Charles Swindoll did not have the facts and had passed judgment. He said that condemned himself drastically by passing a judgment without knowing the full circumstances. And this is what we do. This is one thing we are prone to give and we're not to give. And that is we, not a single one of us, ever have the right to pass judgment upon any other person. God is the judge, and he will give the judgment, not us. You can't look at me, nor I look at you, and we have any one judgment to be passed. Because we don't know the circumstances. We don't know why someone is not here this morning, and probably it's already gone through several lines as to why so-and-so is not here. And I have to confess, it has already gone through my mind this morning why some seats are empty. I know why some are empty because people are away on vacation, but I don't know why some are empty. And it goes through my mind every Sunday morning as to what the circumstances might be that takes that person away today. And I have to confess to you that sometimes... Those judgments creep in and I make wrong judgment because I don't know the circumstances. We find ourselves in a position of wanting to give those things that aren't given to us to give and want to keep from giving those things that we are admonished and encouraged by the Lord to give to somebody else. What is the promise that if we give unselfishly because we love. He tells us in verse 38, give and it shall be given to you. Whatever you give, you'll get. You give a dollar's worth, you'll get a dollar's worth in return somewhere. Give and it shall be given to you it's going to be good measure. Nobody's going to cheat you. you be above board and give above board and you'll receive above board. It'll be pressed down. It'll be shaken together. This is the Lord's way of providing. Give with a loving heart and he'll fill your basket full and cram it and tromp on it and push it until it is filled to the brim solid. And it will be because you've given. Let me close with this little poem. It has no author. That is the authors I'm It's called The Christian Paradox. And I think there is a paradox involved here. And it's interesting. If we love to give... Listen to it. If we love to give, we will get. If we love to get, don't expect anybody to give. Listen to the poem. It is in loving, not in being loved, the heart is blessed. It is in giving, not in seeking gifts, we find our quest. If thou art hungry, lacking heavenly food, give hope and cheer. If thou art sad and would be comforted, stay sorrows and tears. Whatever be thy longing and thy need, that do thou give. So shall thy soul be fed, and thou indeed shall truly live. If you need comfort, give comfort. If you need love, give love. If you need a blessing, be a blessing. If you need kindness, give kindness. That's the Lord's way for prosperity.
0: Let us pray. Sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.